Well, good morning, everyone. It's a good day, isn't it? It's a great day, isn't it? It's an awesome day, isn't it? <laughs> Every day is an awesome day when we have Jesus Christ, yes? So I want to talk to you for just a quick second about our tithes and offerings this morning. First, I want to remind you of all the ways to give. We have our online giving so that you can give 24-7. We have our text to give so you don't even got to get up out of bed and go to the computer. You can lay there on your phone just like you do TikTok and you can just give. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. So we also have the envelopes on the seat backs in front of you that you may give. And so into this ministry, so into the kingdom, so into the lives of people. So a while back, actually it's been a couple years during COVID, I think, um, I got an opportunity to give one of our messages um, on one of the nights. We did 40, 42 nights or something like that. And so in, the, in, the, in that, God had revealed a little something to me uh, about about how he works and about his faith. And so I just wanted to share that this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be referring to the story in Matthew 15 where Jesus feeds the 4,000. Um, that's the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to here. So Jesus said, it says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are, we to, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? How many times have you said, God, where am I going to get 10%? Where am I going to take the 10% from? Where am I going to get that? We've said, man, it just got so quiet. <laughs> That's kind of awkward. <laughs> and they said... And he said, uh, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fishes. So they just had a small amount. So sometimes we say we just have a small amount. And we don't know where we're going to get the 10%, much less an offering above the tithe. We don't know. We want to sow into the, the youth center, or we want to sow into the, the kids' school, or we want to sow into the Bible college, or we want to sow into the missions. We want to do these things because we have the heart of the Father, yet sometimes in the natural we think, where's this going to come from? But I want you to notice what happens here. I had never seen this in this way before, but Jesus took the fishes and the loaves and he prayed and he broke them and then he gave them to the disciples to hand out. We've all heard that. But the part I didn't catch was, do you think that they were carrying around this giant basket filled with the thousands that they're supposed to give out? Or did they still have that little small basket? So every time that they had to give some food to someone, they had to reach into that basket and believe that there was going to be something in there. And they had to pull out by faith what they were fixing to give out. That's the faith of God. That's the faith of God. We have to have that same kind of faith, not just in our giving, but in all areas of our life. We have to know that when God says, I have blessed you, when God says, I have given you all things that pertain to godliness and life, when God says that, he means it. And all we have to do is reach into our little small basket and pull out 
an innumerable amount of provision that we can continue to give and give and give and sow and sow and sow. We just reach into that little small basket and pull out complete health and healing. We reach into that little small basket and we pull out total salvation. We have to do it by faith. We can't see it. We don't see 4,000 pieces of bread and 4,000 fishes loaded up. We just see by the Spirit what God has said. And we give out of that abundance, out of his abundance, out of his provision. So I just wanted to encourage you with that this morning, hopefully stirring up your faith to remember how good God is and what he has done for us so that we can trust him and rely on him when we give, when we pray and, and let him lead us as we give our tithes and offerings this morning. I want to remind you of all the opportunities to give, you know, our Bible school and our, our children's school and all of those things, our missionaries, that we want to remember these things that we do, these, sow, these seeds that we sow all around the world and here at home. So I'm going to pray over our offering, and then we're going to take that up. Dear Father, I give you praise and glory. I thank you, Lord, for provision. I thank you, Lord, for the faith that you have placed in us that we can receive of your provision unafraid with boldness and courage, declaring that we are rich in the Lord, declaring that you have given us of all things. And I pray over every sower today that the seed is multiplied back to them so that they can become a more courageous giver. They can become a more bold sower, that they they can give with the abundance that you have blessed them with. I thank you, Father, that every life that is touched and reached by this offering this morning, that that same blessing is multiplied over into them. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give back to you, for you have given us so much. And I just speak and declare blessing over every person here this morning and everyone who can hear the sound of my voice. I just declare the glory of the Lord in your life. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. As I was worshiping the Lord, I uh, began to envision a time in which uh, Karen and I got a water bill one time that was hundreds of dollars, and we didn't, uh, we didn't take that many baths. And, uh, but uh, there was a leak. And uh, they notified us of that leak. Of course, we didn't know the leak was going on. We had no idea that we were losing water on a daily basis. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me and said that there are people here that uh, there's been a steady leak uh, of situations and, uh, and, and circumstances that the enemy has stolen from you and robbed from you. But he wants me to tell you that if you catch a thief, he has to repay you seven times. Amen. Hallelujah. I would just let that sink in for a little bit. If you catch a thief, he has to repay you seven times. So that means that whatever is stealing from you, sometimes it can be a mindset. Sometimes it can be a belief system. Sometimes it can be an offense, it can be guilt, it can be shame, it can be uh, sin, you know, practicing secret sin consistently. Uh, those things rob from you, they steal from you. But the Lord said, 
if you catch a thief. If you catch a thief, how do you catch a thief? You repent. How do you catch a thief? You get revelation. Amen. Thank God that God is opening our eyes to see. Amen. Are you awake out there? Amen. He's opening our eyes to see. And uh, I just sense um, Jesse right now. If you catch a thief, he has to repay you seven times. I believe that seven times is coming back to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I strongly believe that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about this morning, but I'm excited about tonight. I believe I was attacked by the enemy to keep me from doing uh, this morning and tonight. But tonight we're going to start our uh, Sunday night school. You know, you've heard of Sunday school where we're having Sunday night school. You know, my dad, he went to night school. You know, he had to work during the day and he went to night school. Well, you know, there's this thing we've got here called Sunday night school. And it's not with our trained Bible college. It's just simply classes for your enjoyment and your education. There's no um, uh, grade at the end. There's no special achievement award. I'm not going to give you a merit badge uh, if you go through the class. This is just a consistent class in which we're able to teach the deeper things uh, of the Word of God in, in great explicit detail for those that seriously want to study and they want to delve into the deep truths. Now, Bible, when you go to Bible college, you'll get that, but this is, this is for people to come in, ask questions, and uh, I'm going to be doing a class called Disclosure. And if you're interested in, in taking the class, I'm going to be talking about the Deuteronomy 32 uh, worldview tonight and sharing with you some very interesting things about how the Bible explicitly details what we're in, and what is going on and tells us what will go on. And uh, so it, it, I think it'll be a great, interesting study for you. Uh, each class uh, doesn't necessarily build on one another, so you can attend as many as you want to or not attend as many as you want to, all right? So there's Sunday night, 6 o'clock at the uh, uh, Area 51 Student Ministry Center. I tell you what, God's given some interesting things. If you like to, um, Truth Revolution and Babel and things of that nature, then you'll enjoy this because uh, we'll talk about some things that'll make you go, hmm. Okay, so um, strange thing. If you want to know about UFOs, you need to come tonight. If you want to know about uh, things that, you know, you don't hear in every church in the world, you need to come on and see that because uh, the Bible does make explicit reference to these things to prepare us amen we need to be prepared for the end times amen and then the next week bob's doing a course on reset which is uh, spiritual emotional and uh, mental healing and uh, uh, it's going to be a good good course and then at the last of the month we're going to be having one called flow and jeff craig's going to be leading us in understanding the modes and moves of the holy spirit so it's, 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 it's good to have practical time in which you can flow, learn to flow in the Spirit of God because it's something that is not necessarily intuitive to, to us because we've been religiously trained instead of New Testament taught. And so, you know, New Testament taught means that it's active. It's involved in your life. You're actually executing these things. 
You see, the Spirit of God should be your life. Amen? You should be interacting with Him and flowing in Him 24-7. That's the goal. But oftentimes we just only bring Him in when we really need it. Just break glass in case of emergency. You know, let's get the Holy Ghost on here. No, you need to be able to flow in the Holy Ghost. You need to be able to get direction from the Spirit of God. You need to understand what unction is. You need to understand how to get unction. And uh, praise God. You know, things that, that rub people the wrong way because they don't fully understand them. Or Smith Wigglesworth said, when, when God's not moving, I move God. People get upset with that, but they don't understand that it's not necessarily trying to get God to do something he doesn't want to do. It just simply means the circumstances and the opposition is so strong that there requires a pursuit and uh, there requires, you know, a passion. And uh, God desires pursuit. Let me say that again. God desires pursuit. And uh, so we need to learn how to pursue him. Many people don't know how to pursue the Lord at all. But those are some good things that will be coming up in the next uh, three, four weeks. And we've got some other classes that will be coming up uh, during that time as well. Are you ready? Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verse number 14. As I'm going to be ministering from this book, Train and Power to Discover. Now, a lot of times the Bible is lost to us in our westernized culture because it's not a western book. It wasn't written with Western ideas, uh, Western culture in mind. It is an Eastern book. It is Middle Eastern in its, you know, in its uh, foundation. So one of the things, there are actually four things that you need to be concerned about when you're studying the Word of God and trying to exegete or break down the Scriptures. You need to understand that there is a cultural context to every scripture. I can't just take what we do in the United States and place it over the top of this. I can't use what um, I think <clears throat> um, by my culture applies to this. I've got to get in. I've got to understand the cultural and historical aspects of it. I need to understand the language. There's absolutely no reason for biblical illiteracy in our world today. Absolutely not. I mean, you can get things that I used to have to buy for hundreds of dollars you download for free on your phone. I mean, when we first started ministry, you had to buy books, $500, $600 books, to be able to get what you can get free online these days. So there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be a master of Greek and Hebrew. That doesn't mean you can speak it. That doesn't mean you can write it. It just means you can look it up and you can study words and you can find stuff out. Because, you know, I know everybody loves the English Bible, but it wasn't written in English. It's called a translation. Do you understand that? It's not word for word. In fact, there are transliterated words that are in the Word of God. Those are words that are made up explicitly because there was no matching word for it, like baptism. And uh, so you need to understand that, that the English version comes from the Greek and the Hebrew, you know, and, uh, you know, the um, <clears throat> various languages of that time. You've got to understand that. So when I want to know something about a scripture, 
I've got to know the, the language. I need to know what the words mean. And so you break down key words and you begin to look up key words and you begin to realize that sometimes uh, translations don't quite, quite get it right and they limit the scripture many times. Um, and uh, so, you know, we can go on and on about, about this, but you're going to have to know historical, cultural, you're going to have to know the language, and uh, you're going to have to know the, the, uh, where it happened. You know, you're going to have to know the geography because that's important as well. And so there are many things that Jesus said that just really go over our heads because it's not that he's, uh, he's certainly smarter than us, but it's not that he's talking over us. It's that we just are not in that culture, okay? So one of the scriptures that comes to mind as I begin to talk about this, this book and get into exploring who you really are because I think that's vital and important to understanding is that you have been duped into believing you're something that you're not. And uh, we need to know who we are according to the scripture. But Jesus in uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. Okay? Now, a lot of people will say, well, that's salvation, you know. No, he's not talking about it. He's talking to a church that has locked him out of his own church, locked him out of his life. He's having a knock. See, the Lord is always a gentleman. But it's also uh, something that refers to Jewish marriage tradition. What would happen, you know, we, in, in American culture, you cannot take marriage in our culture and translate it to the culture of that day. There was a process to getting married that we don't do today at all. Yeah. I mean, we just find somebody on TikTok and, you know, and then, you know, just, uh, you know, barrage them with all kinds of instant messages and then eventually hook up and then say, hey, let's, you know, let's get together, let's get married. That wasn't the way it was. If, if I was a young man, which I still am, Amen. believe it or not, and I was interested in a young lady, I would go to the young lady's father first before I would even talk to her. That was tradition. And so I would go to the father and I'd say, listen, I'm interested in, uh, in pursuing your uh, daughter. And the, the, the father would say this, well, I, I approve or disapprove. You know, he'd have to approve or disapprove. But then he would say, well, she needs to decide as well. They did not take the decision away from the young lady at all. Okay, this wasn't a time where they fixed people in marriages. What they did was, it says, you and your father come to our house and knock on our door. And I will ask my daughter do you want to let this guy in? Get a hold of that. Do you want to let this guy in? And if she says yes, then they open the door and they have a meal together. And at the meal, the young man spills out his dowry intentions. He says, I'll provide for you. I'm this, I'm a carpenter, or I'm a blacksmith, or I'm a tradesman, or I'm a, 
you know, sheep herder, whatever I am, and I have this dowry to ensure that I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place. Did you remember that language? I'm going to go from this meal right here. If you say I will, I'm going to go from this place and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when I come back, oh, come on now. See, we don't get the whole of this stuff. See, that's exactly, you know, and we got to understand that after she says, I will, when she says, I will, she begins to work on becoming a help meet. Now, see, that's the problem in American culture today. No, I'm not talking about anybody in here. Nobody. It's all out there. It's all out there. But there are just a, such an assault upon men and women relationships that to conform to any kind of standard or any kind of responsibility is just anathema. You're diminishing me. You're taking away from me. No, that's not what was happening. What was happening is, is she needed to become his wife. And she had to learn to become his helpmeet. It didn't come automatically because they said, I do. And so the process between I will and I do is a process of preparation. And that's where you and I are at today. Jesus knocked on our door. We opened the door up. He came in and had a meal with us. He laid down his redemption price for our lives, and we made a decision, I will. But there's coming a day in which he will raise us up in the resurrection Praise God and we'll be with him forever and he will, we will say, I do. Amen? But in between that time could be hundreds of years. It could be 20, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Well, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take his word. We're supposed to take the gift of the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to transform because if the young lady was going to marry, you know, a businessman that owned a business in the, then she would have to be prepared and cultivated to be able to be that helpmeet for that person. If he was in ministry, the same thing would happen. We are being prepared as a bride. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're being prepared as a bride. And see, what the world wants to do is it wants you to dress like anybody else but a bride of Christ. The world wants you to wear what you want to wear, how you want to wear it, and don't conform to one bit. In fact, we're all rebels. No one is going to tell me what to wear and how to live my life. And if you think, brother, you're going to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to do, you are mistaken. That's what the world wants you to do. And that's the reason why people are so frustrated in their walk with God is because they have not been conforming to the image of the master and thereby they are not experiencing 
the benefits of the master. Are you awake? So the whole goal of Empowered to Discover is to be able to see who you really are because most people don't understand who they are. They have no clue, none whatsoever. They believe what society has told them about them, what their education has told them about them, or what they perceive their education should get them. They've been brainwashed into thinking that they can become something that maybe they weren't ever created to become. I'm reminded of of Lucifer and his fall and how that he said, I will, I will. He had five I wills. Those five I wills countered the fivefold grace of God. He frustrated the grace of God five times by bringing in his own will. And that is the sin of iniquity. Iniquity is self-will. It's where I decide what I want to be. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. If I want to be an astronaut, I'll be an astronaut. If I need to want to be in the NBA, I'm going to be in the NBA. Well, you're 40 years old. You're not going to go into the NBA right now. They don't take 40-year-olds anymore. Well, I'm the exception. I've talked to people like this. I've talked to people like this. Well, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be the next big thing. Well, you're 55. Come on, guys. You've got, we've got to speak the truth. You've got to speak the truth. Because people get this idea that they can just be anything. You were created by God to be something. We don't teach our kids. We should not teach our kids that they could be anything and everything. We should teach them that they should pursue God and find out what they were called to be. Because that's where they're going to find fulfillment. That's where they're going to find their full expression of who they are and what they can become and what they can do. It's going to be in Christ. But the world sells a lot of in-you realities instead of in-Christ realities. And we begin to see, well, I can be this and I can do this and I can, I can make this happen and I, I'm going to do this anyway. I know, you know, everybody's against that and I, I don't really feel the, the leaning to do it, but I'm just going to push my way. And we have people living the end of their lives frustrated, hurt, and feel abandoned, not because of other people's mistakes, but because they've made the wrong decisions in their life. And true failure is being successful at something you were never called to do. Because we're all going to stand before the master one day. He's not going to ask us what we thought we could be. He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Amen? So the apostle Paul here in one of these powerful prayers, he says in verse 14, he says, For this reason I have, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may have strength to comprehend. Everybody say strength to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now notice this, that the Apostle Paul wants us to pray that we would be strengthened with all might by his spirit in our inner man so that Christ might dwell in our hearts by faith. So that tells me this, that if Christ is going to dwell in my heart and take his place, his rightful place in me, it's going to require supernatural strength for him to operate from that place. It isn't going to happen just because I prayed a prayer, just because I went up and gave my life to the Lord. I'm going to have to be intentional in my effort to be strengthened by the Spirit of God in my inner man so that Christ might dwell in my heart by faith. Amen? Amen? And then he goes on, he says this, that you might be, uh, have strength to comprehend. Now go back to the second uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Why do we need strength to comprehend? In fact, in the Passion Translation, it says, empowered to discover. Empowered to discover. Okay? So we have been empowered to discover something. That doesn't mean we find it. Oh. Just because it's there doesn't mean we find it. You know, you've got stuff in your possession you don't even know. I got stuff in my wallet I forgot was there. Ladies, you got stuff in your purse from 1975. Hello. Just simply because it's there doesn't mean you find it. There is an empowerment. There's a supernatural empowerment to discover. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to even discover who you are. You're not going to discover yourself through the ways of the world. Aptitude tests and college classes. You're not going to find yourself when it comes to trade school and things of that nature. There is a supernatural empowerment of the Spirit that enables you to discover who you really are. And it's a gift from God because you can't see it without Him. In fact, if you could have seen it, you'd already saw it. And why is that? It's because the first verse of chapter 2. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world. Notice that. Yes. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. See, you were following a course of this world. You were following a way of this world. And that is so intuitive to you and such a part of you that it takes supernatural power 
to unlock you from that and to get you connected to what God has for you. Amen? So he prays that you would be strengthened. Why would I need to be strengthened? Because I got to break out and I got to break through the mindsets, the attitudes, the philosophies, the various things that have held me back from perceiving my true identity. Amen? Amen? And it's important for you to understand your true identity. The devil has duped us into believing that we're just accidents walking around. That there's nothing unique about us. That there's nothing that is, you know, brings about significance. Are you with me? Who do you think you are? How many have ever heard that? Who do you think you are to think that you're this way or that way? Who, who, you're really thinking big of yourself. Have you ever gotten uh, something from the Lord and been just excited about it and told your family? And now they call you a holy roller? Yep. Or they say, you must be a part of a cult. Yep. You're a fanatic. What is that coming against? That's coming against the true identity that's on the inside of you. See, the devil doesn't want you to know your true identity. He wants you to believe that you're Kevin, that you're Rhonda. See, because he can mess with Rhonda. He can mess with Jeff. You're really no match for the enemy on your own. He'll just abuse you and you'll try to work it out in the flesh and it never works and you begin to live fatigued and exhausted trying to do spiritual things in physical fashion. Because he's got you. He knows where you're at. But if you know who you really are. If you knew who you really were. If you knew where the battle really was. I'm telling you, it would change your life. And that's the reason why we're doing this. Now, some of you already know this stuff. But you're not walking in it. I'm not going to tell you anything new. You know, I've really stopped looking for new things. Uh, what scares me is the old. Am I being obedient to what I already know? Am I walking in what I already know? Amen? So is it okay if I take my time? It's all right till 4 o'clock? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'll be honest. Okay, so we need to understand. I want, I want to read this out of the Passion Translation so that you can get the, the focus of, uh, of this. He says, So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength 
floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. That sounds pretty good. I'll take some of that. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. Hallelujah. And that's what we're after, amen? That's what we're after. Now what if I told you that you've been duped into believing a lie about yourself? What if I showed you that the real reason for your existence has been concealed from you on purpose? What if I told you that? What if I told you that you were created by a God that didn't just create you just because he was having a bad day and he wanted to make something to feel productive, but that he had something very specific that he wanted to bring into the world, and he packed that in your spirit and created you and then released you into you see your earthen vessel by the love of two people coming together and that everything everything about you was written beforehand that's what the scripture tells us the scripture tells that every day that you've lived has ever been written now we vary from that I mean we vary from that you see, our goal is to get in communion with God and to connect with God to where we walk in that. That's the goal. That's the reason why Jesus said uh, that we should pray, thy will in heaven be upon the earth. Amen? Amen. And uh, we need to pray that. We need to pray that in our individual lives. We need to pray that in our corporate life. We need to pray that in our nation. We need to pray that in everything. Listen. What if I told you that there are forces that have strategized, have had meetings with you in a PowerPoint, looking at and investigating how they can stop what was written about you by Almighty God. I'm talking about not one or two, I'm talking about armies. Listen, guys, listen to this. This is what the Bible teaches. There are demonic spirits and fallen angels working in conjunction with one another to deal with you. You're not awake. You're not awake. You're not awake. To deal with you. They have meetings about you. Someone goes to Daylight Donuts and brings some donuts and they put on some coffee and they sit there and they meet about you and you don't think you're something? You don't think that you've got something to offer? You don't believe that you're anything? Well, there's two kingdoms that believe you are. 
Now, we all say, well, I know God believes in me. You know, after all, you know, he's God. He loves me. Well, guess what? The devil believes in you too. In fact, he knows your potential more than you know it. See, if you would look at the, the second heaven and if you'd look at the spiritual warfare, you would see that it's just as much an information war as it is on planet earth. They're using information against you. They know things about you you don't know about yourself. They've been privy to your book. So what will they do? They'll put people in your life. They'll put situations in your life. They'll put obstacles in your life. They'll put all kinds of decisions before you that cause you with the express desire of getting you away from seeing what you're supposed to see. And the weird thing about it is, it's in plain sight. They love to hide everything in plain sight. It's, our, it's there. But they've camouflaged that through distraction. Now we talk about a lot of conspiracy theories in our culture today. You know, we've got Roswell and you've got all kinds of conspiracy theories. You have 5G towers and all this stuff that's going on. And goodness gracious, my goodness, we've had two years of just a steady diet. But I'm telling you, the greatest conspiracy theory that there is, the greatest hoax on planet Earth, is a child of God being duped into believing something that he's not. And he's been good at what he does. He is excellent at what he does. He just wants you to get locked in to natural human life. No aspirations to look outside. No awareness of anything that is unseen. But to be locked in to the natural as a cell. With no ability to get out of it. Because the only way we can ever break out of physical limitations is in the spirit. But most people don't even believe they're a spirit. They don't even know they're a spirit. They don't have any idea. In fact, the church did not necessarily teach that very much. Even in the years that I was brought up. Spirit, soul, and body was a new concept. For me, how about for you? I didn't realize that the real me lived on the inside of this. That means that when I look in the physical mirror, I'm not looking at the real me. You are not your body. But yet your body controls your life. Your body is a vehicle. It's a car how you travel around in you wouldn't be in this realm without this it's an earth suit it's like an astronaut wearing a space suit we're wearing a space suit but there's the real person on the inside of us now if we're born again that real person is just like Jesus 
absolutely just like Jesus. Amen? I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm running out of time. Guys, what you're focusing on is not the real you. You're busy dressing something that isn't even the real you. That's the reason why Peter says, don't let it be the adorning. He's not against makeup and he's not against jewelry. He's against adorning the outward man over the spiritual man. You understand that? There are people that focus on the outward and they got vacuums on the inward. There's really nothing going on on the inside. But boy, they can sure show you on the outside and make you believe something's going on on the inside by wearing something on the outside. By the way they dress, they present themselves. But I'm here to tell you, I'd rather have someone that may not have the right clothes, may be ill-fitting, may not necessarily have the best hairstyle in the world, but I would take somebody with the right spirit and somebody who dresses right and is rotten on the inside. Hello. That's the reason why, and I, I say this, and I don't mean anything by it, because I think you need to look your best in the world. You know, I think you need to take care of yourself. Amen? But when there's an overemphasis on the outer man, you are in imbalance, and you are under satanic attack. Hello, I've seen it happen, guys. I've seen it happen. People go into the gym, especially this time of year. They start going to the gym, and all of a sudden, I remember I was, uh, I was ministering to a young man, and uh, I'm telling you what, he is, he's physically fit. Looked like Charles Atlas, you know. And uh, he, he'd, he'd go to the gym, I mean, two, three times a day, man. Now, I ain't, got, you know, I ain't got time to read my Bible and pray and go to the gym three times a day. Come on now. He'd go three times a day. And I remember I was praying over him. And in the spirit, I saw him posing in the mirror because that's why they have mirrors there, guys. They got mirrors so that you can flex. Even what little you got. Look at that. Look at that definition there. You know, you're flexing around. Yeah, you ever seen them walking in front of the mirrors? Ah! 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 I had one guy, he was a yeller. He was flexing in front of there, and a spirit came out of that mirror and came into him as a spirit of vanity. Well, we got rid of that. But you know what it cost? It cost him to only think about the physical. He wasn't thinking about Bible verses. He wasn't thinking about who he was in Christ. He wasn't thinking about what he could do to advance the kingdom. He was thinking about how he could get this muscle group in some kind of shape so that he could impress, and this is the bad thing about it, other men. 
Hello. I'm here to tell you, you're focusing on the wrong things. I'm not telling you not to brush your teeth. I'm not telling you not to bathe. I'm not telling you not to eat right and take care of yourself. But I'm telling you, if your focus is solely on how you dress and how you look on the outward appearance, you are emphasizing the wrong aspect of your, of your being. And that will fail you. Because this is the most diminished part of our three-part being. Did you know that? It's the most diminished, and it's diminishing. So that means your looks are going to change. <laughs> Come on. How many know that to be true? Your, your looks are going to change. Man is like a flower in a field, the Bible says. And people emphasize the flower season, and they're not ready for when the petals start falling. Come on, they're not ready for it when gravity takes hold. They're not ready for it. And it's because they've emphasized the physical. So what's their desire? I must fix the physical with the physical. And all the while, I'm telling you what, oh, goodness gracious, I'm running out of time. But listen to this story. I was at the, the nursing home up here. And I had been doing nursing home. That's where I got my start. I preached at nursing home. And I would, I would go and I'd preach just like I preach here. They'd throw their medicine at me. And <laughs> liquid would come down, you know, and I'd have to dodge it, you know. I mean, it was a mess. Some of them loved me. Some of them actually hated me and talked back to me and heckled me. It was a rough crowd. The nurses just rolled them in and left. They were gone. There was no help whatsoever. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and then I had a friend that was working there. And she says, I need you to come and pray with this man. He's about to die. He's about to die. He's the sweetest man, and he's like 95, and he's about to die. So I got, you know, finished with my message and went to this man's room and he was sitting there with a little sheet he was an old man and he was just uh, he just was a little old guy kind of looked like you know he just kind of had bald little head and he was just a thin little guy and but he was glowing I had never seen that before his skin glowed and glowed from within not without I had never seen anything like that in my life and so he's laying flat on a gurney and I'm over there and I'm saying sir I'm here to pray you into glory and his eyes got real big and they were filled with fire and he says I'm going to the glory world and he just said that over and over. And as he would say that, he would get brighter. You think that man felt limited by what he was in? Absolutely he did, because the greater one was on the inside of him. And that greater one was ready to get out of that vessel... And it's time for us to get excited about putting this off 
instead of worrying about what we're putting on it. The reason why we're not living victory is because we've made flesh our own personal pet. We're more excited about buying clothes than getting into the Word of God. We're more excited about going to the gym than fasting and praying. We're more excited about doing physical activities and getting fit. Listen, I'll say this. Within the same month that I had my stroke a year ago, I had a stroke getting a piece of chicken to eat. Another guy had a stroke running and exercising. It don't matter. Stop thinking that it does. That's a deception of the enemy. Well, if I just exercise, I'll always be healthy. Not true. Not true. If you stay in the Word, you'll always be healthy. Hello. The Word's medicine. The Word's medicine to all your flesh. You get into that. We have people going and join a gym. Why don't you get into your Bible? Why don't you open up the spiritual food? The spiritual food's going to nourish your inner man. Where does strength come from? Your inner man. Where does God put strength? He puts strength in your inner man. When it goes into your inner man, it affects your outer man. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. That same spirit quickens your mortal body. Quickens your mortal body. How does he do it? By giving you and infusing you with strength in your spirit in your inner man and transferring it into your physical body. Hello. I don't know about you, but when I went to my class reunions, I looked pretty good. You want to know why? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. I have friends that look 20, 30 years older than I do. It's hard to believe. That's pretty bad. And it's because, listen, the spirit life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is corruption, decay, and sickness and disease. Doesn't mean you're not going to get old. We're all going to get old. But we have the life of God on the inside of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be of God and not of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But see, it takes power to be able to believe that. It takes divine power by the Spirit of God to get that revelation across to you that you're not limited to where you are at right now. You're not limited right there sitting in that chair. That's not where you're at. You can expand on multiple dimensions. Amen? Now I can tell you, I'm going to give you a quick test that you operate on three main dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. 
you operate in three dimensions because right now physically you're sitting here but in your mind you may not be here hello you know have you ever known somebody to be there physically but they're not there no they're not there why because we operate on multiple dimensions we operate on three dimensions you see we think of heaven out there out there out there no I'm here to tell you heaven's a dimension that's lined up with this dimension right here and you are as much in heaven as you are on earth did you know that if you're born again you're just as much in heaven as you are on earth Jesus confused the religious leaders in the third chapter of the gospel of John he said this he said no man has seen heaven except for the son of man that came down from heaven who is in heaven that's the strangest thing but what is he saying I'm here physically but I'm also there oh get a hold of that get a hold of that see the real you is connected to God the real you is in that realm right now and it's the real you that takes that realm and brings that realm into your physical dimension the only way I can receive from God is spiritually I can't receive from God physically he's not dropping money down from the sky he's not you know uh, touching you physically to heal you he heals through your spirit so the more I develop that aspect of my life and this is true for addictions and, and things of that nature a lot of people get into you know trying to do that in the flesh by altering behavior or by setting up safeguards and things of that nature and I'm all for you know setting up you know boundaries and things of that nature and accountability that's all good but if you're not developing your spirit man then you're going to consistently break the fences that you've put before yourself because God heals you through your spirit that's what this verse teaches that he would strengthen us by his spirit in our inner man let me say that again he strengthens us by his spirit so what happens he sent his word and healed us and delivered us Jesus said my words are what spirit and life so what happens when the word is preached spirit life comes in and we have a choice to receive it into our spirit or to reject it away from us And when we receive that, we receive strength because his word and strength go hand in hand. When his word comes in, strength comes in. That strength needs to be appropriated to the area that I am having problems with. Are you awake? So how does he heal us of addiction? He heals us of addiction in their spirit man well I just need to get my thinking right no let's get the spirit man going 
Because when we get the spirit man going in the right direction, your mind will be renewed. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, he strengthened us through our inner man. So your inner man needs to be the focus of your life. Are we okay? Listen, guys. What's going on in the inside of you is far more important than what's going on on the outside of you. The outward man is perishing. But the inward man is renewed day by day. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. You're not going to be able to overcome the devil and his traps with the flesh. But with spiritual weapons. See, that's what we're going to learn about. Amen? Amen. Does that sound good? But see, you've got to be empowered to discover. That's, what I'm, that's my point today. And it's just going to come because you want it. You've got, you've got to be empowered to discover. The Spirit of God will come in your life and empower you to discover things. Over the last six years, the Lord has brought me on a journey. And I can tell you that I thought I knew this stuff. I really did. I thought I knew it. I had learned it. I had heard messages on it. I didn't know it. I didn't have a clue. It wasn't operating in my life. See, if you know something, it should be operating in your life. It wasn't operating in my life. And I had to go back to formula. I had to go back to the basics and cry out to God and say, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see. And he began to show me. And I began to share it with people, and people were like, see, this is the thing about spiritual things you need to understand. They're not overwhelmingly obvious. See, we want them to be spectacular all the time. They're not. They're very common looking. You know, when that lady, she was pouring the cruise of oil, you know, to fill up all those things, what did it look like? Did it look like angels were helping her pour it and, you know, now it just looked like oil coming out. That's all it was. How about that meal? It's just like Rebecca said, they reached down that same thing, didn't have a bunch of meal in it. <coughs> she was just able to scoop out what she needed for that day but it was always there. See, supernatural things aren't always spectacular. And when revelation knowledge comes into your life, when God begins to move in your life, you know, you can pretend to think, well, that's not really, that's not really, well. And you almost think that what you got isn't really what you got. People say, oh, that's good, that's good. Well, you wouldn't know that. Anybody wouldn't know that. That's the kind of attitude you get when you've really heard from the Lord. Think anybody can hear this. Anybody can hear it. And, and I believe that. Anybody can teach what I teach. Anybody can. That's what you think. Because there's a transmission of divine light to where you can't unsee things. No matter how hard you try, I can't unsee what I've seen. 
He showed me. He brought light to me. He strengthened me with that light. I can't unsee it. Is this too deep for you? It's an empowerment. God came down to empower you to discover. He's given you the ability to find out something. God doesn't hide from you. He hides things for you. It's his glory to conceal matters. But it's the glory of kings and priests to find them out. He desires to be pursued. Oh, how many times have I sat across from people because they altered their spiritual life because something didn't work like they thought it would work. Well, I believe that and it didn't happen. I'm sorry. You're going to have to pursue the Lord. God must be pursued. There's some, some barriers the enemy puts in your way. You're going to have to walk through. You're going to have to blast through. You're going to have to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in time of need. I remember there was a minister that came to our church, and he did this every time, and uh, he about sent people to the hospital every time he did it. But he would have uh, uh, several of the men link arms, and he would run to break through those arms to illustrate what that word meant, to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in time of need. Listen, there's effort to that. When you come boldly into a room, it isn't like, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're anticipating. And so he would run to break them, and they'd try to hold him back, and he would fight. He would bite them. He would do all kinds of things to show the kind of intensity and determination. Do you remember that, Jimmy? Do you remember that? Yeah, you remember that. You probably got your arm bit. I think it was John something. Was it John Tesh? No, it wasn't John Tesh, the piano guy. Yes, I can't remember. He's a little guy. But uh, you got not John Tesh playing the piano. Entertainment tonight, brother. No. Um, it, was, it was somebody named John. And uh, he was the, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, he showed, he showed how you got to press in. I'm telling you, there's a pressing. There's a pressing. We're going to learn how to press. We're going to learn how to press in there. We're going to learn how to tap into our spirit man. Amen? Does this sound okay? Amen. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to tap into our spirit man. Praise God. Amen. Well, I've run out of time. I hope that I'm able to see you tonight. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have ministers that are going to be on either side. They're here if you need to be born again, rededicate your life to the Lord, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and need healing in your body. They're here to take care of your needs, and we're going to have someone, I believe, going to close us out. Hallelujah. Amen.